Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. A lot of the men here have written songs for your wives and girlfriends, right? Nods, right? Nods, good, good, thank you. Benefit of the doubt. For you, I sing, I dance. I mean, we do something strange here in, in regards to the world, right? If, heaven forbid, right, all of a sudden, you were transported. In the middle of that song, you're singing, maybe you got your eyes closed. It says, lift my heart and hands. I was singing this to Josh. He lifted his hands, and I was like, oh, maybe I should do that too. Okay, good idea, Josh. Um, if all of a sudden you were transported to your office cubicle at work or something, and you're there, for you I sing, I dance. Oh, no, no, no. I, I was transported. It would be embarrassing, right? Because you don't do that in any other context. So this is why I wanted to mention this. I know there's, those, there's, there's several here today that don't sing and dance. That do not understand the divine romance. But you're here because something in your life has not been working. You've tried stuff, as we all have. And so you're here, and you see this on the screen, and you're thinking, okay, that's weird. I don't sing and dance for people or things. That seems kind of strange. But there's something about the people. There's something about this message here. There's something about the context that I, that I want to discover and want to investigate. And for those of you that are here, with that perspective right now, I want to just start with a prayer. In the scripture, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, the God of the universe so loved you and me that he gave his only son. And his son died for our sins. And because of his death, we are saved. By belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have a relationship with the the Lord of the universe and, and one who would make you want to sing and dance as you engage in this divine romance. That's what this becomes. God in us, leading us. So let's, let's pray right now. Father, there are those here today who do not know you. And they are here because they want to know you. You've been working in their lives for weeks, months, years. To get them to a place where they would bow the knee and say, I want this. I want to be reconciled with God, my Father in heaven. And so for those right now who are in that position, pray with this prayer with me now, please. Father, I believe. I believe that your son, Jesus, died for my sins, and I want to engage. I want to be a part of this divine romance. I have questions and concerns. There's mysteries that surround this, and yet I want to step into this. I want to step into this today. And by faith in Christ, I declare that I want to follow you, Lord Jesus. And I believe that I'm forgiven for my sins because of his sacrifice on the cross. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Strange, I know. Altar call at the beginning? Supposed to kind of butter them up, music, poetry, and so forth. I don't think that's what this is about. I don't think this is about the song and the dance. I don't think, sorry, different song and dance. That's weird. I don't think this is about me getting up here and kind of doing the deal and, hey, this is entertaining. You should come and join our club. It's cool. We're always cool people. That's not what this is about. We're not here because we have it all together. We're here because we're broken. We're here because something went wrong. We're here because we discovered something that, that Peter discovered in the scriptures when Jesus says, after a very difficult sermon, he says, um, all right, well, it looks like a lot of people have left because this sermon was a little difficult. Aren't, are you going to go too? 
Remember what Peter said? Who else has the words of eternal life? That's why a lot of us are here, because we've discovered something in the scriptures that connect with us deeply. And we realize there is eternity in the words of Christ. And so week after week, you come back. And you hear the word proclaimed. You hear the word discussed. You hear Boogie and others get up here and talk about what the word means and what the word has done in their lives. And we don't always understand everything, but we, just sit, we, we declare and we, we come back because we want more. We want to discover more of the words of eternal life because they've made a difference. They continue to make a difference in our lives. So those of you who said that prayer, welcome to the family. This is a dangerous and delightful journey. It's a journey that involves a lot of questions. I still have questions after 20-something years of following Christ. still have questions. I'm still digging and searching. And the text I want to cover today is Luke 10. Luke 10 has a lot to do with our identity, what it means to be divinely romanced, what it means to enter into the divine romance. And I've been going over this and over this, and I, I love it. It's confusing to me. Many parts of this I have not fully wrapped my head around. But this first verse, let's take a look at this together. Do we have some Bibles out there? So maybe if, you, if you want a Bible, just put your hand up if you want a Bible. We can get a Bible to you. Because we're going to walk through this thing. There are s- several passages in this. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but there are several passages I want to talk about and look at kind of specifically. And I think they're good. At least I've found that they're, they're good. I've found that they're inspiring. He starts this way. Luke 10, 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. I'm a literature professor. That's my trade. I've been studying literature for a long time. I started studying literature because I was confused about who I am, and I was confused about who others were. And I thought this is a great place to go to look at the study of humanity through the ages. Literature, I feel like, offers me, and I continue to go back, because I'm still confused on many levels. So I started reading this, this text, and this is about Christ sending out 72. Now, the number 70 and 72 in Scripture often refers to the nations of the world. So there's kind of a universal element here. In, in a way, this passage is a foreshadowing of the Great Commission, right? the sending out into the nations. You know, this text reminded me of it was, was a story by Virgil written in uh, 20 B.C. 20 B.C., yes. In case you want to check my facts. 20 B.C., Virgil writes a text called the Aeneid. He wrote it for Caesar Augustus who said, hey, we need a history. You know, Homer wrote the history for the Greeks. We need a history. Write it. So Virgil gets to work and looks back in the, in the, in the archives and finds this character Aeneas from Troy. Aeneas is like an okay warrior. He was kind of beat up a bit against the Greeks. I mean, the Greeks conquered everyone. And so in the great kind of Trojan War against the Greeks, the Greeks just pounded them. And Aeneas was basically slipped out the back door by his mom. Now, his mom happened to be a goddess, so that helped out a little bit. But he was slipped out the back door because he needed to carry the seed of Troy, the seed of the Trojan nation, with him to reestablish the people of Troy. And so that's what Aeneas does. <clears throat> excuse me, his journey is tough. And he meets with Cyclops and all kinds of crazy people and things, and he gets pounded by, by the, the god Neptune and so forth. But finally he arrives on an island called Carthage. 
and he finds a beautiful woman there. And she's awesome. She's one of my favorite characters in all literature. Her name is Dido, not the singer, although she's sweet too. Dido is the ruler of Carthage. She basically was, was exiled from her own country and took the gold there. She was able to find some gold and was able to establish Carthage, and she was an amazing ruler. The text says, and it, I suppose this kind of is, it dates the text, right? It says, when it describes the great nation of Carthage, it says, and a woman did all this. I know that could be offensive, but this is 20 B.C. And I mentioned that's 20 B.C. That's a long, long time before 1960s feminine kind of movement, right? And a woman did all this. I mean, you know, that's a great statement about a woman who is not only powerful and organized and thoughtful, strategic, also incredibly beautiful. Why not, right? So here Aeneas lands and he meets the beautiful Dido. Right, Troy, forget that. I got Dido, baby. Right, he's just stoked on Dido and he's just languishing in her love. They get married, having a great time. And then the gods come and they say, You know what? You were not saved from the Trojan War, you were not saved from the calamities of Troy to, to languish in the love of Dido, sweet as she is. So it's not your purpose. Your calling is to found the new Troy, which would be Rome. And eventually, University of Southern California. Thank you, thank you. You're awake. I love when people are awake when I'm talking. Um, so he had a mission, right? He had a mission. He was called. He was a sent one. He was a sent one to establish the new Troy, which would be Rome. Why does this remind me of this text? Because I believe in a very similar way, you and I have the seed of the kingdom in us. As believers, God has put his seed in us. His identity is on you. And now you, like Aeneas, are sent out to help found the new kingdom of God. To help spread the message of a new citizenship. A citizenship that is not one of bondage, but one of freedom. A new citizenship, a new identity. You and I have the seed of the king in us. And we are sent by God himself. And this is Christ. He sends them out two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. I love that last part. Just a couple weeks ago, I have a 16-month-old baby, and I was sleeping. I put him to bed. I was sleeping. I was sick. I was taking a nap on a Sunday. It was two weeks ago. And I was woken by these horrifying words, call 911. Sheffield, my son's nickname Sheffield, is having a seizure. It was two weeks ago. So I bolt up, you know, just jumped out. Grab the phone, 911, my child's having a seizure, he's 16 months old, 19 Beacon Point, Ladera Ranch, please get here, send someone now, please, fast, he's going to die, I don't, I don't want to lose this boy. And so the guy talked me through it, don't, don't put the phone down, and pretty soon we could hear the, the sirens in the distance. Came, checked him out, swept him off to the hospital, that's not something you want to see as your child in a stretcher in an ambulance, especially at 16 months old. As I'm racing there, these words from this this passage that I've been just meditating on for the last months. He sent them to where he himself would go. And I had this new confidence, having read this and meditated on this, that God is not leaving us to ourselves, but he would be there with me. And so that was what I was praying. Actually, I prayed that when I got up. I was like, I know you're here, Lord. I know you're here. I'm dialing 911. I can, I can trust you. I know you're going before us. Please be present. And he was, and he 
was. In a powerful way, he was present to the hospital. He had a great doctor, great nurses, and, and little Sheffield was within two hours sucking on an orange popsicle and saying, car, car, I want to go home now. He wasn't saying, I want to, he was saying, car, car, I want to get out of there now. He was, he was done. And now he's just fine. It was one of those febrile seizures that are pretty harmless, but still, when you see your child having a seizure, there's nothing, nothing calming about that. And so this sense of God going with us, right? He sends them ahead where he himself was about to go. As he sends you, you who are sent ones, this is part of your inheritance, as he sends you, he himself goes. I feel like there's two things here. There's confidence. I just mentioned a second ago, right? There's a certain confidence knowing that he is coming. Knowing that he is there. There's a confidence there. I can trust. Okay. There'll be peace. There'll be, there'll be clarity. There'll be power if need. But I feel like there's a second part. There's a conviction, right? If you knew when you showed up to work that the Lord was going to be there, you might, you might do things a little differently. Right? You might think, okay, the Lord's going to be here. I don't need to react in fear or insecurity to my boss who's a real knucklehead. Uh, the Lord's going to be here. I don't need to respond and defend myself to this jerk. The Lord's going to be here. I don't need to be afraid. I can trust because the Lord will be here. I feel like there's two things. There's conviction and there's confidence. Conviction to act in a way that would honor him, but confidence to act in a way that trusts that he is sovereign. himself was about to go. Verse 5, let's skip down there. It says, um, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. That's a great, that's a great one there. I did some research on shalom, that's a peace. Uh, Most likely Jesus was speaking Aramaic, but drawing on this Hebrew concept of peace. This is not a simple statement. The shalom of God, the the shalom of Christ, the peace is not just the absence of tension, not just the absence of problems or the lack of problems. I wish we had some peace around here. I've said that a few times in my life. I wish people would be quiet and just leave me alone. I want some peace. That's not just the absence of junk, but an actual positive presence, a positive power. The peace of God is a a lot of times connected with rightness with God connection with God, a peace, a certain sense of unity and rightness in relationship, a positive blessing, a right relationship with God. And so he says, peace, say peace to this house, peace to this house, declare that in this house there will be peace. Now, how does that affect us on a normal level, right? So you walk into your buddy's house, movie night. Peace be to this house. No, let's not do that. Let's not do that. Let's not be weird like that. But I believe there's a lot of ways for us to declare peace that really makes sense in our culture. There's a lot of ways to declare peace into a relationship or into a situation that I think are practical and right and true and good. I think declaring peace declares something that he goes on to say in a a moment later. That the kingdom of God has come near you. Kingdom of God has come near. Let's let's jump over there. You declare the peace in verse nine. Here is what he says. Here he says, "Whenever you enter a town, they receive you. Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. The kingdom, Basilia, 
in the Greek. It refers to the kingdom of Christ, the rule of Christ in the hearts of believers. Okay, so let's back up. We have shalom. Peace be to this house. And then we have, secondly, as he goes on to say, declare as you heal, as you pray for those in the house, that the kingdom of God has come near you. What I had on the board before, the divine romance. Christ living in you. The king and the creator of the universe living in you. That is the kingdom coming near. And so as you come into a place, as you come into a conflict, how do you come? You come with the authority of Christ as one being sent You come with the peace of Christ because you yourself are reconciled with God. You have a relationship with God. And so you not only come into the house with your weaknesses, which you do, but you step into that house with something to offer that is a peace with God. And so I I feel like this is the practical sense of you entering into a song we're going to do. I might sing a little bit different than you guys are used to. So just go with it the first verse and hopefully you'll catch on. Sometimes when I play this, people are singing before me and I'm like, sorry. <laughs> All right, here we go. Come now, fountain Every Tune my heart to sing my grace. Streams of mercy that never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me somewhere, Lord, your soul. Song by playing tongues above. Praise the mountain, fixed upon it. Mount of every demon Here I